With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And what is up? Welcome in GC Live Monday episode of the show. I'm Wes Mitchell. He is, of course, Chris Clark uh, coming at you to talk about this historic South Carolina victory over Tennessee, 63-38. Let's be honest, Chris, a uh, outcome, I dare say, no one not in that locker room or not in that ops building at South Carolina saw coming. I'm not going to pretend I saw it coming. I don't think, I really don't know if I saw a single person, um, media-wise, predict a South Carolina victory as Shane Beamer made sure to let everyone know about in the post-game presser. But, uh, man, Chris, we got a lot of ground to cover because I, I look at this game, there are some obvious standouts. And, you know, we're going to get to it. Spencer Rattler being, I would say, the player of the game. But I feel like that doesn't even do it justice, how many phenomenal performances, how many just guys that stepped up in order to make this outcome possible. You know, if you told me South Carolina had won the game, I could buy it. If you told me going in that they scored 63 points and blew out the number five team in the country, um, I I probably would have looked at you like you were crazy. So um, I don't know where you want to start, man, but uh, the the floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just the the word that I came or the phrasing that I've just keep coming back to is like a perfect storm, just like, and it wasn't just one thing, you know, you you don't pull an upset like that in that dominant of fashion without everything clicking, you know, the, the fact that South Carolina was able to pull this upset, it was able to do it in that fashion, right? Like normally if you said, if we could have fast forwarded to today and both of us were just, you know, completely living under a rock or something and came back and say, Hey, what happened? And somebody said, South Carolina won. We're going, Oh man, you know, Tennessee must've turned the football over five times. A bunch of them in South Carolina territory, South Carolina cashes in. They just kind of hold on and play better than usual. But no, there was none of that. This was from start to finish, a consistently dominant offensive performance by South Carolina in which we saw some of everything. We saw some explosive plays, we saw great individual efforts. We saw great throws. We saw protection. Um, we saw running the football just effectively enough. Defensively, that's actually getting lost in this, West. That, yeah, I know that I saw the the 38-point total, 31 in non-garbage time, right? South Carolina played really well defensively, all things considered. Special teams, you didn't have to come up with any big special teams plays. You, you played that pretty much even. Um and one reason for that is if you're South Carolina, you, you punted once, right? Not a lot of punting in this game. So I think from top to bottom, it was like everyone, whether it was coaches, players, 
in all phases of the game, everybody was just on their A game all at the same time. And that's a rarity, you know, in college football, in sports in general. But that's exactly what we saw on Saturday night. It just South Carolina played great, and then everything just lined up within that game. Yeah, I think, man, um, I I said this earlier, that there is, for those who listen to the 107.5 show, there is going to be some carryover here because I feel like we said some things we also need to get to on the podcast, um, you know, on the GC Live version. But um, to me, Chris, this game was everything that's great about sports, like the unexpected, the number of times that you're a South Carolina fan that you have from wherever you come from, whether it's right here in Columbia, whether it's a farther part of the state or whether you drive in from out of state, whether you fly in, uh, you know, you've made your plans all year around getting to that stadium seven times per year. You spent money on tickets. You spent money on gas. You spent money on food. You spent $10 per beer in the stadium to try to get through it. And you've sat in the cold in the whipping wind. And more often than not, if you're playing the number five team in the country, it doesn't go your way. Um, This was the reward for the sports fan who sits in that stadium every other time and watch their team get beat. Um, I made the comparison earlier. Movies and series on TV, they're great, but they're scripted. You know, for the most part, the good guy's probably going to end up winning in the end. In this case, this was, again, I don't know any other way to say it. This is the reward for sitting out there. You got treated to... And I'm I'm waiting for somebody who's older than I am, who has seen more ball, to give me a give me a better one. You might have witnessed if you were there on Saturday, the finest offensive performance in South Carolina football history, and you might have witnessed the finest QB performance from Spencer Rattler in South Carolina football history as well. Yeah, that that was fun. Daniel W. weighing in, Wes on the chat line there. Tommy Suggs had a blast. Absolutely. I don't know if you – another person, West that must be protected at all costs, aside from Pete Limbo, by the end of the year we'll have our list of like five people, right? Pete Limbo is one. Number two, SF Cocking on YouTube. Full game upload. Hopefully I'm not getting them in trouble, but it is out there. So if YouTube wanted to find out, they could easily find out. Full game with Todd and Tommy commentary. And if you have heard, Tommy Suggs confirmed having an outstanding time. Tommy Suggs had the, uh, well, he had the five touchdown performance against Clemson back in the day. Some some older timers were pointing out to us, uh, Wes. We obviously were not there for that, um, but Spencer Rattler's performance on Saturday, man, I think I, I was trying to think back just from the time that. You know, we, we we both, you and I, have been covering the program roughly the same amount of time. I mean, I, I saw a 69-point game against Troy. I saw 70 against Coastal Carolina, Steve Spurrier teams. But just given the circumstances, the shock value, um, all that stuff, and the opponent, really, I mean – I I can't think of a better quarterback performance or offensive explosion. Um, it was a it was a masterpiece in in more ways than one. Yeah, and um, Chris, 
back me up or correct me on this one. Um, because I I may have steered you wrong earlier. I I said Tommy Suggs. Um, okay. it may have been Jeff Grants. May have been Grants. Hold on, somebody posted it on the Insiders Forum, which is of course where everybody should go. I'm I'm looking at the record books players. right now because I I meant to do this earlier. Um, okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. Tommy Suggs did have a five touchdown performance. That was against Virginia. There you go. November second, nineteen sixty eight. Jeff Grant's had five touchdowns against Clemson. Um, that was November twenty second, seventy five. Um, the most recent. Let's see. Jake Bentley at Clemson. Before that, Dylan Thompson at Auburn. Before that, Savelle Newton, Florida Atlantic. And Steve Tannehill had two five-touchdown performances. Wow. Um, Didn't um all of the – Savelle Newton in that FAU game, all of those were to Sidney Rice. Is that right? Didn't Sidney have five recept- receiving touchdowns in that game? Am I thinking of the right one? That sounds right. Okay. That sounds right. Um, crazy. But I and not Chris, not just because of the statistical advantage in that he threw six. Add everything else up. Might be the best QB performance that we've ever seen. Like I, I. I really want for somebody to give us a couple that even compare. Because I'm sure there's some out there that should be in the conversation. You know, of course, Garcia against Bama. Just legendary, right? However, I'm going with the one on Saturday from Rattler. Um, So the closest thing that I could come up with for just like the what the heck is this performance on offense was you mentioned Jake Bentley's five touchdown performance against Clemson. Now there are a couple things there. That was in 2018. South Carolina lost that game 56 to 35 because they, Jake Bentley had, I think 510 passing yards in that game. Debo Samuel had over 200 receiving yards and 10 catches Uh, went up and down the field. Jake Bentley did have a pick in that game, uh, and and they didn't even come close to stopping Clemson. I mean, there, there was no resistance whatsoever, mm-hmm. uh, which was the opposite in this game. And it was a loss. Like, that's the biggest thing, right? They, they lost the game. There was also – that game was, like, totally different from what we saw most of the year. Remember, I mean, they were lining up in crazy formations. Uh, they were doing, like, the fake snap. Like, they put in a bunch of new stuff, basically for that game. Um, And it was a great performance by the team, the staff, like offensively, that is not defensively this game, man, despite what people are saying, I I guess we're going to get in the realm of controversy here. That was not that materially different in terms of calls, formations, calls than what they've been doing this year. There were some differences. There were definitely differences in what they did. Um, but materially not a ton. So that's what makes it. And, and then, of course, the shock value. You know, so that 
that kind of adds another layer to it. But number one, I mean, Spencer put up huge numbers, super efficient. We counted through it earlier, Wes. I mean, he had a couple balls that could have been caught there, could have been an even higher completion percentage. Um, he made all varieties of throws and plays, and South Carolina was able to win the football game. So I th- we've seen some really good ones, some really efficient ones, some gutsy performances at quarterback, but I think that has to be the best in my book. Yeah, well, I, I think just um, like you said, the fact that he made all the throws, he did every every single box that you want your QB to check, he did. And um, I, I think that involved stepping up in the pocket, um, knowing there are a couple of times he threw the ball away, Chris, but for the most part, he kept plays alive. I mean, there were at least two throws. No, there were three throws where I was going in my head, throw the ball away, throw the ball away. And he ended up making something happen. A couple of throws um, against his body that he fit into windows that most quarterbacks probably shouldn't throw. But because he has the arm talent he does and he was in the zone that he was, you know, he can do that. The the runaround and the Johnny Manziel looking reverse field. I was sitting there thinking, just get rid of the ball. Find Jaheim Bell wide open. Um, as you talked about on 107.5, the disrespect of Bell hop into the end zone, <laughs> pull the ball away from the defender who tries to for some reason, smack it out of his hand despite getting smashed all game long. Um, the the touch that he threw the ball with, the anticipation, the accuracy, stepping up in the pocket with guys around him but keeping his eyes downfield, knowing when to take off running. You know, it, it was just a master class, I felt like. And, um, you know, again, I'll throw credit uh, Beckham's way. There were a lot of similarities with the Vanderbilt game as far as sort of the creativity, the different things on offense that were still within the structure of the scheme, but a little more aggressive. This was that game on steroids. But I thought we saw Rattler do some of these very same things in that game. Um, now, th- in this case, you know, they, they had a great first half against Vandy where they really executed and showed it was possible. Then they laid the egg last week against Florida, and you're like, what is this? Because Florida was not a great defense. Um, so I think there were signs against Vandy that this could still be a pretty explosive offense. But then you look at, we all still had Florida in our mind. And for them to come out and have quite, I mean, nine touchdowns on 10 real-time drives. Mm-hmm. You you literally, it was Almost the perfect game. Yeah. And, and dude, I put another thing in there. So, you know, at halftime, uh, South Carolina's up, what, 35-24. And you're going, okay, Tennessee gets the ball back. And you made one of the best points. Uh, I'm going to just steal it from you, and you can talk about it more. But you, you had to play the game like it's tied, the whole game. Mm-hmm. When you've got a a 14-point lead – against Tennessee is about the same as zero. <laughs> I mean, you, you just – you have to keep that aggressive mentality. And I think the fact that South Carolina played that way did end up helping them in this game, both, you know, from just how Shane Beamer – hey, I'm going forward on fourth down. Our play calls, we want to take shots. Um, all those different things. Um, but, man, 
it, it <laughs> I, I, I'm almost at a loss. I mean, they're, they're up 35, 24. Tennessee's going to get the ball back. The team's finally what that's the point. They trade punts, right. To, to open the second half, South Carolina, eventually, uh, or Tennessee rather cuts it to 35, 31. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're down four and you're going, Ooh, you know, this is a critical point of the game. For me, if Tennessee scored there, I don't know. The way South Carolina is playing offense, I could be wrong, but I felt like that was going to be a turning point. Well, what does South Carolina do? They go up, score another touchdown, and then they score another touchdown, and then they score another touchdown. And so you look up later, and it's, what, 56-31. to 31. So they just answered the call, and that's another thing that illustrates the, like, for lack of a better term, like the non-flukiness of this game. Um, you know, you – you can you can have a little bit of a, some fluky stuff go up go on and, and be up twenty one to seven or whatever. Like you could have said, ah, oh, the first half was a fluke, even though it wasn't. But this team just answered the call, you know, time after time. Um, got had had a couple calls even that were key that went their way. I mean, they were they were legitimate calls, but sometimes you don't get those. They had a Spencer Rattler sack wiped out by a penalty. Uh, Jaheim Bell had a ball that went through his hands down the sideline on a great Rattler throw that, you know, instead of it being second down, I think it would have been on that play, second 10 or whatever. Um, you know, there's a penalty. They, they call him for defensive holding. So just, again, so many different things. Like earlier I went down and wrote down a list of like 10 things, and that probably still didn't even cover it, of things that just went offensively, even just on offense, not even touching the defense offensively all these different things that went South Carolina's way, you know, to, to make this happen. Yeah. And I think, man, just a, a, com, a complete team effort. It was led by Spencer Rattler going off, but a, a team effort all the way, like all 11 guys on both sides play well. And then um, obviously past that, some depth, uh, some guys that are rotating in played very, very well too. I mean, you look, I, I think, you know, you look at the the players of the game that South Carolina gave out offensively, Pretty obvious. Rattler, Juice Wells, Jaheim Bell. Um, you know, for for those who have like sort of been on the wall, it, it seems like it's been such a weird season for the fans' take on Jaheim Bell. It's been, well, why can't you get this guy the ball more? Why can't you get this by the this this guy the ball more? Then it's it goes right into, well, why are you handing the ball to this guy? He's not a running back and you know, look no further than Kirk Herbstreet, who sees as much football as anybody out there. And if you go to about 13 minutes left in the game, 1330, 1340, something like that, Herbstreet was just like, wow, about this guy. You know, just the different things he brings to the table. We got to remember, Jaheim played a bunch of positions in high school. Running back really wasn't one of those spots. So, Yes, there's been an adjustment for him, but I don't think they win that game without having Jaheim Bell to slot in there at running back and at tight end and just to do the different things he did in the running game, in the passing game. It was a very just – it wasn't quite as flashy as maybe what Juice and Spencer did, but very much still important. But, man – even go past those guys. Offensive line played their best game of the year in pass protection. Uh, Jalen Nichols, a uh, SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week award, award, graded out at 90. 
this week, uh, no pressures. They have struggled on the left side of the line. We've talked about that. They played great. Tight ends played great. Um, defense did enough against a fantastic offense. Um, didn't get consistent pressure on Hooker. Some of that is just because of what Tennessee does. But they got pressure um, at opportune times. And the DBs, I, I mean, I think Herbstreet and, and those guys talked about this too. I don't know if many teams had the DBs to just go match up with Florida's, um, or excuse me, with Tennessee's wide receivers. And we knew what Darius Rush can do. We knew what Cam Smith can do. Give a shout-out to Marcellus Dow. He's had a bit of an up-and-down season. He went out there, went toe-to-toe. And those guys had very short memories, Chris. Like, you've got to know if you're playing this offense, you're playing Tennessee's offense, you're going to give up some some yardage. Like, you're going to give up some catches. But you have to get them on the ground, you have to tackle, and then you just have to forget about it. Yep. So, want to go back to the offense real quick with some things you said. And Travis actually stole some thunder here. Ja'Kai Moore at left guard. All right, so he played some of that against Florida. I think 33 snaps or so. Yeah, they made that move against Florida. That was his debut, but the entire game against Tennessee, no platooning. They just said, this is your game at left guard. So have they solidified that left side that struggled at times, like you said, Wes? Uh, Possibly so. With Nichols at left tackle, obviously he had probably – I would say he had his best game of the season. And Ja'Kai Moore obviously did a really good job at left guard too. And knew coming in during the recruiting process for him, Wes, that he was a guy that could be, you know, one of those swing players that could they could play guard or tackle. So maybe he's settled in there. Certainly a good performance uh, on Saturday. Jaheim Bell, uh, 60 snaps during the game. That, I haven't looked it up. That's got to be a season high. Um, most of those in the backfield, um, but he did see – he saw snaps. I think he saw a few in the slot, um, a handful. He saw a few out wide even, um, and then he even saw a couple snaps as more of an inline tight end. So he did a great job. Nate Atkins, you pointed out, Wes, last week that they started using him in more of a protection role. He was outstanding against Tennessee. They did bring some pressures, some delayed blitzes at times. He did a phenomenal job of you know being patient and waiting on those. And then once they did hit home, Nate Atkins, with his physicality and size, was able to you know, easily at times handle those guys. And and then Spencer Rattler in the pocket. I mean, you, you touched on that earlier, but just to reiterate, the way that he navigated the pocket was as close to perfect as you could have done it, whether it was the right decision to stay in or the right decision to bail the pocket or step up into the pocket. He made that just about every time, if not every time. Defensively, it's one thing for South Carolina to say. I think they had the right mentality and game plan. Hey, we're going to have to tackle. We're going to have to make them beat you know beat us throwing the football deep, which sounds dangerous, but is actually you know that that is what you want to do. But to go out and execute it is another thing, and so they were able to do that. I mean, Wes, thinking back to the game last year, it was a different kind of Tennessee performance. I mean, we saw South Carolina really struggle with those little, the wide splits, they just throw it out and here's 10 or 15 yards. And then they're running the football right up the middle. South Carolina was able to largely prevent that. Um, Tennessee hit them with that slant type of route a bunch of times. 
but South Carolina pretty much immediately tackled the receiver just about every time that happened. So great job by Torrey and Gray of getting his guys ready. Obviously, Smith and Rush and Dial, great coverage one-on-one. Hey, if they hit a 50-yard bomb over your head, you can live with that. But they they didn't do that. Um, and then even, I mean, you lose Nick Eamon Worry. Um, Peyton Williams comes in and plays 50-something snaps. And he hasn't played all year. You know, he's he's played on special teams a little bit. So just just a great all-around performance. And and I feel like, you know, gotta give the proper credit because I, I've been saying all year that the offense has kind of like masked the defense. Same thing here in a positive way. Like the defense deserves a lot of credit for what happened um on Saturday night as well. Yeah, I think sometimes against teams like Tennessee when you play off coverage and, you know, you, you think about it, off coverage just in a vacuum is supposed to prevent the big play. You are you don't want them to throw the ball over your head. However, a team that's as quick and as good in the open field as Tennessee and as good at blocking on the perimeter as Tennessee, sometimes playing not to give up explosive plays actually creates – explosive plays because it opens up they're they're so good underneath and they're so good at creating big plays off of that whereas in this game South Carolina played a lot of man coverage there was some off coverage in the slot depending on down and distance um but for the most part even on some third and longs man they're playing man covers they're bringing five guys they're trying to bring pressure Tennessee actually picked it up pretty well at times I think but they weren't able to hit these balls down the field. They were one for nine on deep balls. So, you know, sometimes playing off coverage actually just, it's almost like playing prevent defense. Like it invites some of those things. Tennessee, Mm -hmm. in this case, it invited them to try to hit some deep balls and they were unable to do that. And then consequently, they hit some like slant routes because they're trying to separate away from that man coverage. But as you said, Carolina tackled, and it actually made Tennessee have some more methodical-type drives. Like, they're still getting to the line of scrimmage quickly. But, I mean, they had – I think their one of their touchdown drives was closing in on 13, 14 plays. Where they went for it on um, – you know, and even then, the game almost got away from Tennessee. Like, they they were close to this game getting away from them much earlier than it even did, they'd go for it on uh, when they were down 21-7. And, I mean, they had a th- – that was perfect coverage by Cam Smith. It was just a perfect throw. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you look at the end of the half, Chris, ball gets tipped, great play by Sherrod Green. It just luckily bounces into a Tennessee player's hands. Um, I think that was Tillman that caught that one. Great concentration by him. Don't get me wrong. Give him credit where it's due. But there were some things early on where this thing maybe gets out of hand even earlier than it did. Yeah, and and I think, look, both teams battled back, uh, but South Carolina was the aggressor in the second half in terms of they were able to take it away. Again, you know, talked about it earlier, 35-31, Tennessee cuts it. And I'm sitting there watching going, you know, this is the critical moment in the game. South Carolina – can they answer here with another score? And they did, you know, they answered with a the score there and then more after that and really kind of slammed the door on Tennessee, which was 
you know, an incredible sight to see. You know, they, just, they just kept scoring and scoring. Wes, I'm glad you mentioned Green defensively. Uh, he played a ton of snaps. No, he got banged up at the end of the game and was able to return. But um, I thought he had a really good game, which was critical for this team. I mean, there was a lot of worry about Tennessee's run game, you know, with Jabari Small. I mean, Hendon Hooker had the explosive run early in the game. He could certainly run the football. So that was a big concern, you know, the power run game uh, coupled with Tennessee's explosive passing attack. And they gave up some yards. Sure. Uh, long run for small early where they kind of busted a run. Hendon Hooker, that same drive early, you know, he escapes the pocket and busts a run. But they cleaned some things up and they were able to limit those plays. Um, Jalen Hyatt, Wes, no touchdowns. Longest catch of the day, 16 yards. Cam Smith shattered him for, for most of the game. Did an incredible job. Um, all six of Hyatt's catches in the first half, Wes. So second half, they were able to shut him out. Um, that was another big, you know, pivotal kind of statistic in the game. Another guy that I think deserves a big shout on the defense, Tonka Hemingway, was outstanding. Um, he really wreaked havoc. There were a lot of times that just with what Tennessee was doing schematically, it ended up to where Tonka Hemingway was getting doubled. And, I mean, there was one play. He he split a double team, beat two guys, and then drew a holding penalty. Um, so he he has really, really come on as of late. And at times, he's looked like the best defensive lineman on the team. So a really good individual performance by him as well. Yeah, I, I feel like we got so much ground to cover, man. We're going to miss some guys that deserve mention. But – I'll say this, for all the talk about South Carolina's running game struggles on defense this year, you have seen some individual improvement on that defensive front. Uh, Tonka probably being the guy who has made the biggest leap. Um, Tonka or Gilbert Edmond, I mean, him having to step into a much bigger role than what he thought he was going to be asked to be in coming into the year has really stepped up as well. But I, I think, uh, you know, credit where it's due, a bunch of those guys have improved individually. You'd like to see it overall season-wise fit a little bit better together as far as stopping the run and that'll be a huge key obviously going into this Clemson game but we'll have all week to talk about that but um how about the decision we haven't talked about this on either show the decision to revert back to the setup earlier this season Cam at nickel Dial and Rush on the outside not only did that naturally put Cam against Jalen Hyatt we talked about that on Friday going in you know if you if you want Cam against Hyatt you've got to move him back to nickel but that also in some ways helped shore up the safety position where they've had some depth issues there and then you lose Nick even worry um, by having DQ at safety you know and that's a position really Chris he hasn't played since I want to say week two, like they, they made the move of DQ to nickel going into the Georgia game when they had um, so many injuries mm -hmm. sort of at, at cornerback. Um, so he really had settled in at nickel, slide him back to safety, say, oh, we're just going to match up on the outside. And that, that ended up being a, a very, very, a uh, sharp move, I, I think, and, and probably the absolute right move. Yeah, it just does so much for you, and you understand why they made that move. I mean, think back to the Georgia game. Um, you're just you're trying to find a way to establish – I mean, they needed guys to play in that game, you know, in some regards, Wes, and 
Um, still thin at safety, right? B.J. Gibson was still out in this game. Um, you know, Peyton Williams played obviously a bunch of snaps. Tyrese Ross did play a little in this game. He's he's played a, a little bit the past couple weeks, but I think this gives them. That definitely gave them their best configuration against Tennessee because Hyatt, as you noted, lines up in the slot so much that enables you to to put Cam shadowing him. But Cam is also really good, you know, in terms of being able to play the run. You know, he can go run the alleys and he can hold up in the flats against the run or or in the short passing game. He's physical enough to come up and make those plays. He he made one on the little uh kind of like a pseudo screen that Tennessee ran with Jabari small came flying up off of his man and, and made that tackle. So that's the type of thing he can do. And I think Wes with, with DQ and Eamon Worry manning the safety spots, um, you know, it may at times because it's two freshmen may make you a little bit nervous, you know, in, in pass in the passing game at times, but I do think it probably helps shore you up a little bit in the run game, right? Like Nick Eamon Worry, um, still coming along in a lot of regards um, in terms of being a run defender, but he can lay the wood, you know, he's, he's, that's a strength of his and DQ Smith's also proved himself to be, you know, especially for a true freshman, he can be an asset in the run game too. So I really think we see that configuration going forward as well, you know, against Clemson in the bowl game. Wouldn't that make a lot of sense to keep it that way? Probably, man. I, I think, um, They've played a lot of man coverage anyway, like even with DQ at nickel and just saying, you know, we're, we're going to put our guys on islands and, and stack the box. You got you got to find a way to do that against Clemson too. So I, I think that that may be what you do. It certainly decreases your depth at cornerback because you're basically saying, you know, when they do it the other way, you have three corners playing two spots. So you can actually do some subbing. Um, you're basically saying, look, Rush, Dow, Cam, you're playing every snap, every meaningful snap. You know, and I, I think, um, you know, that that's maybe lost in all this. Tennessee does so much tempo, Chris. Those guys, I mean, that, that was a gutsy performance just to to keep your head in it for all those plays with and, and it being so quick. And I, I really think that play you're talking about with Cam coming up and making that tackle. Like, they fed off of that crowd energy, and we have not talked about the crowd yet on this show. But, Chris, we – I mean, will he be at night in this era? Like, it's starting to get a reputation, and it's starting to become a thing. I know Carolina's always played better at home. But at home, at night, let's look at the Beamer era so far, man. That Florida win last year at home, at night. The Auburn win last year at home, at night. They obviously didn't play very well against Clemson last year. But I think there is something, there's something there. And once you put that seed in opponents' heads and it starts to become a thing that people talk about, um, it only grows from there. Yeah, I mean, I I was looking at, Tennessee's schedule, right, coming into this game. And I, and I know we had all noted that they had not played a night game at another place. You look, they were at Pitt. Um, they won that game in overtime. That was a day game, a 3.30 kickoff. Um, they were at LSU for a noon game. They dominated that game and won it 40-13. to 13. And, you know, noon kick in Baton Rouge, different than seven. I mean, there's just, there's just no doubt about it. 
Um, and then they did play at Georgia and lost that game. So they, you know, they were two and one in road games. All of them were noon or three thirty kicks. And so you're going, is there something to that? Is there some juice? And so I think the key was, yes, if South Carolina can help them out, help the crowd out, the crowd will then be able to return that favor. So the crowd's going to be juiced up at the beginning. You got to give them something to continually cheer about. And man, they must have gotten the message because they uh, they not only delivered immediately. Uh, but they kept it going, you know, 21 points in the first quarter, jumped out all over Tennessee and just kept it going all game. So it's uh, it's definitely like you said, man, it's getting a reputation. Uh, Shane Beamer talks about it a, a long time or a lot of the time. You can tell that he has he is really like it's very um, intentional, you know, in that he's trying to create that true home field advantage. Things like, you know, the Gamecock walk, which he talks about all the time and. Um, you know, continually talks about the home field advantage, even in losses, you know, thanking the fan base and, and how great they were. So definitely big, man. I, I think it had I think it had a lot, a lot to do with it. Yeah, Beckham wants me to drop the Les Miles quote, where dreams come to die. Hey, could be. Could it definitely be, did it on Saturday. Be, uh, yeah. <laughs> it did. It I don't did. know about y'all. There were some stunned people in arms sitting around me. Like it was. It was like, is this really happening? And that's, that's happening. what I was thinking, too. Is this really happening? And um, I don't know, man. There's something to it. And I, I'll admit, when you – I can't remember which show we were on when you brought that up last week. I was like, man, we really have – we really are grasping at straws to come up with some reasons for Carolina possible success. About the best thing we came up with was, well, you know, maybe – Hey, maybe the crowd, maybe at night. But hey, Hooker missed some throws. Yep. You know, and we uh we certainly, you know, wish that that guy all oh, yeah. the best in his recovery. Like love watching him play the last two years. Um, great competitor, great player. He's perfect for what they do as well. Like he knows that system incredibly well. But um he missed some throws. And I, I think the fact that either Either A, he missed more of those throws than usual, or B, Carolina just kind of kept coming. They kept hanging in their own defense. I feel like a lot of times this year, maybe he'll miss a throw, but he'll have the opportunity to come right back and hit another. Against Carolina, it wasn't, there weren't just many like busts. Everything was sort of contested. They made them earn every yard. And then, of course, the offense just set the table and, and sort of set the tone, you would say, of, uh, of this game. Uh, Mark says Milton is better than Hooker. Nah, man. That guy, Hooker was a high, like, that guy's a Heisman finalist when healthy. I mean, his season, his last two seasons were incredible. So I'll give credit where it's due there, man. I just think it it, it felt, Chris, a little bit like the start to that Georgia game back in uh, in 2012 different situation but you're kind of just like all right is this South Carolina's night and you could even tell I know you were going back over the TV copy as well there was a point when Herb Street and Fowler were just sort of like is, is this about to happen like I don't think they really thought that it was going to happen at all and then they were like no I think this this could happen this is a thing yeah I mean 
I, I think, you know, South Carolina get, I, I remember looking up after the first quarter is over and, and there's kind of a break in the action. You can kind of, aside from the million TV timeouts, but you can kind of assess the situation for a minute and you're going, this could be a thing, you know? I mean, you've gotten through one quarter of play and you're up, you know, 21-7 and playing extremely well. And so the key was just, you know, continuing that momentum and, and they did. Um, one thing, Wes, I wanted to hit on offensively. I know I'm kind of jumping around, but I'm trying to trying to spew my thoughts out there when I when I come up with them. You know, I think one key adjustment, a lot of people are talking about what did South Carolina do differently on offense. Um, one key adjustment was we saw Spencer Rattler look the most comfortable that he has. And I think one reason for that, you know, he's a guy that obviously grows in confidence. When he hits and plays, he, he just kind of gets hot. That's very possible for him to do. Um, and they did not have him checking plays at the line. He wasn't, you know, feigning a snap and looking over to the sideline and, and then adjusting things and calling out a, st- a lot of stuff. For the most part, they called a play. He huddles. They call the play when they're not going tempo. He calls the play, and they go out there and run it and execute it. And um, it was – Again, we saw a variety of all the different kinds of throws. We saw um, take it, taking what the defense gave on some hitches for seven, eight yards here and there. We saw the deep balls. We saw the scrambles and him making something. There were a couple balls, Wes, where it looked like when he lets it go, you're like, oh, he's throwing it out of bounds, and here comes Juice Wells running back 20 yards to the football, catching it and gaining a few yards. All those types of plays and that, that yardage adds up. So I, I thought that was – you know, a significant part of the game is that they just – it looked like they kind of narrowed some things down even more and gave Spencer more freedom and then just kind of let him go play and go do his thing. Well, and I think we saw, Chris, kind of – and I I get it, y'all. The people that are frustrated, like, where was this the 10 games before? I get it. And I and I agree. Like I, I I get it. I understand that thought process as far as the output from the offense. However, we I think this was a look at what this offense could be and can be what it wanted to be once it can actually like get into its plays and stay on the field. I mean, we saw South Carolina take take the bowl game, for example, when they were able to it's a little bit different because they're running the football almost at will in that game. But remember how we sort of saw some of the complimentary plays. We saw some of the more creative plays come out. We saw some of the trick plays come out because they're able to stay on the field, make some first downs with their more normal plays, and then you're able to spread the ball around. You're able to hit all the different areas of the field. We saw that on Saturday because they're making first downs. Spencer was extending drives. When he extends drives, they ran the ball just enough. They actually, the little um, under center sort of uh, motion that they do, a lot of times, sometimes that's window dressing. In this game, you know, they they hand the ball to Juice Wells down near the goal line. Um, they did that motion a little bit different on that play than what they usually do. They get him the ball. They were actually stressing the edges a little bit. Then they ran jet sweep action and a counter play back to the other side late in the game. Um, the the, D, uh, the DK play where they let him throw the ball back to Spencer Rattler. Like, 
they were able to empty the playbook because you're staying on the field, making first downs, and executing your more simple stuff. It allows you to kind of open up all the other things that you want to do. And I, I thought, Chris, the other thing I saw from the offense that was a little bit different, other than just the game plan overall approach was, hey, be aggressive. Throw the ball on first down. You're going to go for it on fourth downs. You know, keep the pedal down. I thought, especially in the second half, taking the easy access throws. Um, you know, you saw a uh, you saw a quick out to um, – right off the bat, you saw a quick out to Kenyon, I think second play, second or third play of the game. Um, was that the first third down of the game or was that second down? Quick out to Kenyon. I don't remember that. Down. Um, first play was a run by Juju. Anyway, doesn't matter. Quick out to um to Atkins. First down. A couple of little short hitches to uh, Juice in the second half when Tennessee started playing more zone. And um, you know, so I, I think you add in those easy access throws that keep the chains moving on top of the behind the line stuff and the downfield passing game. It's just a different offense as far as what the opponents have to um, prepare for as far as all areas of the field. It's the same offense as far as the plays being called or the plays that are available, but there's just more middle intermediate type throws, I feel like. And I I think that opens some things up for them. And um, again, just the, we talked about earlier, man, the aggressive mindset, not to get up by three scores and say, oh, you know, Time to take the throttle, you know, time to run some clock right up to the 63, 63rd point of this game, the exclamation point on this thing. It was, we're going to keep scoring. And I think you have to play Tennessee like that. You can't just get a lead, then hang on for dear life. How many teams do that in football? They get big leads against good offenses. And they stop doing what was working and try to just hang on. Yeah. No, your offense is playing great. Leave it on your offensive shoulders. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah, they didn't play not to lose. They they played to win. They went out there and took it. And that it makes sense. Look, it, just baseline. If your offense is moving the ball uh like they are, keep doing it. Um, but eat especially against Tennessee, you know, it becomes even more critical at that point with a team that can you know, they can just score on you in a hurry, man. Um, you you got to go out there and, and continue to continue to do what you're doing offensively, you know. And I think that's what people, you know, want to see next week as well. I mean, not to get too far ahead of, ahead of ourselves, but that'll be a big challenge. It'll be a different kind of challenge. Um, but, it, yeah, just it kind of makes you wonder – what could lie ahead? You know, can can they replicate this performance? It's been kind of weird, Wes, because we saw, you know, South Carolina goes on the winning streak. Then they have – they lay an egg, as Beamer said, against Missouri. They don't do much of anything offensively. Then they follow that, you know, with the Vandy game. And they shot themselves in the foot some, but played pretty darn well. And that, that win actually looks a little bit better right now, right? They follow that up with a complete flop at Florida where they can't do anything offensively. And now this, right? So, um, you know, obviously one thing to, to to make sure I shoehorn this in here is they took great care of the football. You know, they were able to run it just enough. Um, Jaheim Bell running the football up the middle and getting, you know, three to five yards was so huge instead of 
they still had some negative plays in this game, Wes, but they were able to, uh, you know, hit something right after that and just kind of wipe it out. And they had some plays like some of those low margin plays, they hit them. I mean, the Josh Van touchdown was a fingernail, you know, away from getting knocked away. And then that's not a touchdown. It's incomplete. Uh, Jalen Brooks called a ball and I didn't realize it until the replay, you know, he's coming down with it and the guy knocks it and it almost comes out, but he holds on on the way down. So that's another explosive passing play instead of an incomplete. So again, that just goes back to the perfect storm. Like everything went their way, um, you know, on the night. Yeah. And I I think um, we, we saw this, we we answered the question, what could this offense look like at its absolute peak? Um, that was it. I mean, I, I got to think, man, coaches can go their entire career and never quite replicate what we saw on Saturday. I mean, one one punt is um, it's, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. So um, we'll see if they can just come anywhere close to executing against Clemson as well as they did. And I think it's had to be a little bit different game plan, but uh, some of it is going to be stuff. You're going to have to remain aggressive, I think. But I, I, I think just giving Rattler some of those easy throws kind of helped him to continue to gain momentum and confidence as this game went on. And I don't know, Chris, if our friends at Gamecock Plus have, like, everything mic'd up these days, but I would love to know some of what was said uh, between South Carolina players and the Tennessee sideline or Tennessee defenders. This, for as much of an offensive game as this was, it was a very physical game. You had guys coming off. You had a bunch of you-know-what talk. Um, lots of looking to each sideline from both teams after big plays. So, I don't know. Like, I... I wonder if there's some footage out there that uh, answers some of that. Because man, this thing, these it got chippy. Like you could tell, these teams did not enjoy each other's company very much. Yeah, no Christmas cards, no thank, no Thanksgiving meals that'll be uh, shared. I mean, Shane Beamer even got in on it a little bit. Uh, Kamal Hayden, number five, a little bit of a bizarre performance by him in terms of you know, when he ch- and to whom he chose to direct his trash talk. Uh, it was Jaheim Bell and Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells and a bunch of guys. And, I mean, Juice Wells tuned up the Tennessee secondary. Didn't have a touchdown, but he tuned them up pretty well uh, during the game. But yeah, hey, one time Shane Beamer, or more than once, Shane Beamer got got a little bit involved in some of that. So, it was interesting, man. But, uh, I, I, I mean, heck, at the end of the game, when Tennessee scored their 38th point, Cedric Tillman, who's a great player, um, he and a bunch of Tennessee's offensive players were trash talking. And, and I literally saw a bunch of Carolina's defenders just <laughs> pointing at the scoreboard, uh, the zone, like, ribbon board area. So kind of bizarre, but uh, it was funny. And Carolina's players were definitely having fun with it. They were, and, and well-deserved, man. We, I mean, we haven't even talked about the fact it was senior night. bunch of guys that – walked for senior night that uh, have meant a ton to this program and have really uh, just been through a lot at, at South Carolina with coaching changes and going back uh, to doing, you know, the whole COVID season, all that stuff, and some special moments there. And some guys with some decisions to make, you know, Beamer brought it up on Sunday. Just because they walked 
does not mean that they're definitely leaving. So we'll be interesting to see how that shapes next year's team. We'll have all offseason to talk about that, Chris. But I'm trying to think, man, we, we've definitely not covered it all. I wanted to talk some recruiting. We'll probably have to save that for later in the week. And um, let's hit on a couple of unsung heroes. We talked about it a little bit earlier um, in the day on 107.5, but you brought it up on uh, on the Twitter. How about uh, Nate Atkins? Um, I saw Stog with a couple of good blocks too, man. I mean, these tight ends played very well, but um, that little wrinkle that they first introduced at Florida um, and then uh, obviously had a lot of success with it this week, putting Atkins essentially at running back. And um, it was in third down is in passing situations. If you, That's a very savvy move because it allows you, Chris, to then still have Jaheim Bell as a tight end, as a receiver, like as a receiving option, because you don't, you don't want Juju with his size being your main pass pro guy on third and long. So you say, well, Bell's been our big back if you're Carolina's coaches, but really you want him to be an option to go catch the football. Yep. So I, I thought that was pretty savvy to just say, hey, we're going to put him in the backfield and um, and let him pass protect. And he's just been, you know, Beamer had so many positive things to say about him. Late addition to this team from the transfer portal, literally took that last scholarship, and he's really been a big part of what they've done all year long. A little bit a different type of player, a little Pat DeMarco-esque because everybody complained mm-hmm. when uh, when it was found out he was committing to South Carolina, and he's been integral. I mean, really, um, you know, when they've had strong rushing performances, he seemed to be in the mix there. Um, he was excellent in pass protection the other night. Um, you know, Tennessee, when they brought pressures, Atkins was able to pick those up. He got involved in the passing game with some big receptions. That's something that, you know, is not going to be showcased with him a ton. Um, but he has very soft hands, a really sure-handed guy who is a pretty good route runner when you consider that he's kind of like, I don't know, kind of like a fullback slash offensive lineman slash tight end type of guy. You know, not as big as, as an offensive lineman, obviously, but can really catch the football. And then, you know, just from a personnel standpoint, Wes, if you send out, you know, South Carolina's huddling, the defense is trying to get their play call in, and you see Nate Atkins and Jaheim Bell standing in there, you don't have a great sense before they line up and show their formation what exactly you're going to get. You may see Nate Atkins in kind of a wing back and Jaheim Bell out wide. You may see both of those guys – you know, in the backfield, you don't really know what you're going to get because of the different skill sets. So really, really cool wrinkle there um, that they've been using that, again, I anticipate we'll continue to see. Yeah, so I, I think uh, you're definitely right, Nate, an unsung hero. Um, Hank Minnow stepping in on his senior night. Um, you know, there I can't remember how many snaps it was. I know it was in snap count. Is it seven? Was it 11? Seven? Um, seven. So- you know, Eric Douglas has played just about every single snap at center this year. He steps in, steps in does okay, number five team in the country. Um, you know, there there's probably – I mean, Peyton Williams stepping in for Nick Eman-Worry is a guy who just hasn't really barely played this year and is going to redshirt, but um, had an opportunity to go out there and, and hung in there. You look at the start of the year, I mean, he was way down the depth chart when the year started. And um, you know, I, I just think overall team effort – sure we're forgetting guys 
it was just all around. Um, I thought TJ Sanders actually quietly. He did. Had some moments in there where he was blowing some things up. That kid, they've always, they've been high on TJ for a long time. I think there's a bright future there for um, Mr. Sanders. Uh, I guess we'll push recruiting to later in the week. Chris has the rest of a soccer match to watch, I believe. Um, but before we get out of there, we got a lot of you on here. So uh, we're going to help you overcome your taxiety at 803-462-5576. Uh, tax time is right around the corner, so go ahead and make some plans for our friends here at Liberty Tax to do your taxes here in the Columbia area. They've got a location in Lexington, a location in Irmo, and a location in Columbia, South Carolina. Again, 803-462-5576. Shout out to our friend Larry at Liberty Tax and uh, appreciate the support here on GC Live. And um, again, if you want local professionals and um, people that uh, you can go sit down with and meet in person as opposed to doing it online and just uh, basically dealing with a computer. Uh, your friends at Liberty Tax here. Chris, any closing thoughts, man? Uh, go USA up uh, on Wales one to nothing uh, at the break. Second, uh, second period coming up here soon. Second half coming up, but no, uh, Enjoy the win, y'all. Um, seriously, like enjoy the win. Uh, we'll we'll dive into more this week. Recruiting, man. There's there's a ton. There there's more to unpack, even like offensively and defensively from what we saw. There's some uh, stuff that happened from a recruiting front on Saturday. We need to talk big picture recruiting. Uh, we need to preview Clemson. So much more of that coming throughout the week. But for now, everybody just needs to have a good rest of their Monday and enjoy this win. Yep, uh, working on it, by the way, decent chance. Uh, we have Clark Brooks on maybe Wednesday, 2 o'clock. Uh, he is the SEC stat cat for those who um, have followed our show for a while now. Fantastic. He is an offensive savant, I would say. Dude is incredible. Go give him a follow on Twitter at SEC stat at SEC underscore StatCat. We're working on having him probably on Wednesday uh, at the regular time. So appreciate y'all. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see you soon. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.